What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a... Rangers make basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers make basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name's Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus McBasketball. And Tim, we're recording here about 10 a.m. Pacific time, day after the Lakers lose game four to the Suns, 100 to 92. Boy, it was a rough one. Ban afternoon games is what I'm going to say, Tim. Um, I don't know. We're going to talk about this here for a little bit, but uh, this one felt particularly disheartening because of the Anthony Davis injury. And I don't even know if you saw this, Tim, but literally as we hopped on, Sham Sharania tweeted, Anthony Davis is unlikely to play. So we're going to be talking about the game five adjustments under that, guys. Um, How do we unlock LeBron? Maybe what some lineup changes we can do. But before we do that, Tim, let's get into that debacle that was the game four against Phoenix. Now it started pretty well. Lakers climbed to like a 37, 26 lead. I want to say at some point in the second quarter, uh, Anthony Davis wasn't looking quite right. Even before his groin strain, he was looking limp and not really helping weak side the way he was the rest of the series. But Suns just kind of did what they did. They didn't make a whole lot of adjustments to it on my end offensively, but what did you see in that first half when AD was still playing? Yeah, AD didn't quite look like himself from a mobility standpoint. He was still able to, I think, offensively get to most of, like, the shots he was getting were mostly good shots or mostly design shots, like him catching off a pin down and shooting or him in the post single coverage takes a shot or things like that. We didn't see the carryover from last game where he was used more as a finisher and able to take advantage of the Suns kind of loading up against LeBron and then finding creases in the paint. Didn't see any of that. So that was a little bit disappointing. The shot making wasn't there for AD. Um, and and like those minutes didn't didn't look fantastic. But I think the real impact, like you said, was on defense. And what he's able to do helps make Drummond, Gasol, doesn't matter who it is, he helps make them look better. So that was uh, disheartening to see to start. Um, I did see, and it took like some some digging into all of the film and logging all the, the pick and roll possessions. I did see a few concepts the Suns went to that tried to counter what the Lakers had been doing. Um, so that pick and roll chess match has really been a, a matter of like the Lakers are trying to drop. And if they're running drop coverage, there are a couple like set plays you can call to exploit that. And when they work, it's like, oh, man, Gasol looks terrible. Oh, man, Andre Drummond can't guard anybody. And then when the Lakers figure out how to counter those, everything looks fine. And so it's been a matter of like Phoenix trying a new play, running it one, two, five, seven times until the Lakers figured out how to stop it. And then the Suns will try something else. 
And moving into this game, we saw them try, I think, the highest number of new things. Like they went to uh, a lot more ball screens where the the weak side, where you would generally have somebody tagging Aiton as the role man. Instead of having two defenders, so one can tag and one can help or zone up, there would only be one defender on that weak side. And the Lakers had still, last game, sent that guy over to tag, which kind of opened up the skip pass, but the Lakers were still able to recover pretty well to that. So what the Suns did was they would move that player. They would have him flash middle. They would have him sprint to the top of the key. They would do different things to make it so if, and often it was LeBron, if LeBron does try to help on that role, he's giving up an open three or an open jumper or something like that. We saw uh, earlier in the series, the Lakers with Anthony Davis would just outright purposefully switch ball screens at times. And one way to counter that is to run ghost screens, which we had not seen the Suns go to. So they went to that this game and that was able to get, I think it was, it might've been a Jay Crowder three. I think he bricked it, but it was a pretty good look and it was a concept that works against what the Lakers are doing. Um, We also saw them, we saw the Lakers try to stunt a little bit more uh, on some of those single tag plays so that the, you know, the, the big man could stay with the roller instead of having to have LeBron help from the weak side. And the chain reaction of that uh, is that the ball handler can get downhill a little bit more. So what the Lakers would do is have the next perimeter defender stunt over, try to slow them down, which worked until the Suns started cutting versus that stunt or setting uh, flare screens against that stunt and doing things to counter the fact that the Lakers were bringing extra help from there. Um, and we also saw empty side pick and rolls. So there were just, there's nobody to tag the role man. So a lot of different things to just attack what the Lakers had been doing, um, all shown in like the first quarter, basically. So the Suns came out firing from a pick and roll standpoint. But other than that, it was just like, Chris Paul looks better. He's able to hit those, those mid-range jumpers. We were texting about it. Like the Lakers defense looks a lot better when you've got like KCP out there with that back pressure. Um, no matter who the big man is in drop coverage, their job really isn't to contest that mid-range jumper a lot of times. They end up covering the roll man, and it's up to that guard defender, whether it's Wes or Caruso or Schroeder or KCP or whoever it is, to get that back pressure. And there were a number of plays we didn't see any back pressure, and and that led to Chris Paul just like practice jumpers instead of so, contested or even semi-contested jumpers. So. Yes, Chris Paul looked better. Didn't look 100% to me, Tim. He took threes for the first time since his injury, but he missed all three. Let me ask you then. He does turn them down still. Why are we still going over the top of the pick? I don't know. That's a good question. That's an adjustment the Lakers haven't really gone to that I think would negate a lot of this. Because if you can go under that, you don't need the big man to hedge. He can stick with the roll man. You don't need that weak side help. And that is just a completely new, like, hey, we're going to play a different kind of game. all the tactics you've been trying for the past three games do not matter anymore because we don't need to guard him. So you, you kind of, that's, that's the adjustment I would be looking to go to. And yeah, it just seems like overreaction to Mm -hmm. that action specifically. Yeah. And it's similar to how, like with trapping, we were talking pre-series about trapping, how trapping could force the Suns to like get the ball out quickly and then not have an advantage as opposed to letting them set guys up with angles and positioning and then exploit it with passing. This would be like similar to the, similar to that. You don't need to have I mean it's polar opposites, but by by doing by going under you don't need to have that help. So if the ball does go out from Chris Paul, nobody's catching with an advantage. Nobody's catching against a closeout. So especially with I think Crowder was much more purposeful about attacking closeouts this game. This would be a way to I mean and these guys aren't 
for the most part, they're not attacking closeouts, but this would be one way to help negate that and make the role players look a little bit worse for Phoenix and force Chris Paul to start taking shots that he was just outright turning down at a lot of points in the game. And even when he did take them, he was not making them. So uh, it's, we can't, it's, you know, recognize Chris Paul's getting a little bit better. And now because he's able to hit those middies, you know, change the game for him. Um, Previously game two, game three, you could live with him taking those mid-range jumpers because he was turning them down or he was missing them. Now he's hitting them, so now you you really need to up the ante a little bit. So I think that's a, a smart adjustment I'd like to see the Lakers make this next game. As Suns got 35 from Chris Paul and Jay Crowder combined, where those two guys were really struggling. Campaign, not as prominent in this one. DeAndre Ayton, only eight shots, uh, I believe. So... You doing some things to kind of limit the ways they were beating him before. Booker only five for fourteen, so you know mm-hmm. he they put him on the line seven times still, but that's down from the last game. So I'm coming out of this game day after a little bit more optimistic. But Tim, uh, again, we hold the Suns to a hundred points, right where they've been all series, just about. But the Lakers' offense really struggled, um, not only with Anthony Davis off the floor, but with him on the floor, frankly. And and once he went out, I was a little confused about the way LeBron and Dennis was used. Uh, now I know we didn't have a ton of time with LeBron and no AD to like hash out some of these rotations, but it feels like those two at least one of them should be on the court at all times. And I I thought we would see Ben McLemore because of the KCP being out as well, partly because of the Lakers lack of shooting. And, and mm-hmm. as a team, they got a little bit better. They actually made 13 threes on 32 and a half percent shooting. So I got what I wanted, but what I wanted to say about Ben was if you're going to have lineups out there that just don't have the kind of shot creation this might, you know, you might need that volatility of THT and live with what he does on defense. And, and yeah, maybe even put him at the point of attack on Booker like we've talked about. But 16 Ben McLemore minutes, uh, I thought, could have been halved and given a, at least a shift to THT. Yeah, because a good bit of them and the group that got the Lakers that 10 point lead in the second quarter included quarter included McLemore, but it also had LeBron in there. So he was able to finish creation from others later in the game. He's just out there as kind of like a bailout guy. And I care more about being able to create an advantage and do something with it than I do about having someone that I feel, you know, a little bit better about taking a grenade three at the end of the shot clock. That's contested. Like that was a move going into the game. You know, Macklemore made sense once the AD injury happened and once that lack of playmaking and shot creation was was stretched even thinner I agree THT would have been a a move that I I think made sense and moving forward is a guy that I think needs to be ready to play this next game because we've talked about this series if the Lakers can win like non-LeBron minutes they'll be in pretty good shape and they haven't really been winning those and now they're in even a weaker position where there aren't going to be minutes LeBron doesn't play but Anthony Davis is out there it's going to be like a big, huge drop off. You don't, you don't have a, the AD security blanket, which even with him playing hadn't really been successful. So the Lakers need to figure out something in those minutes. And that's going to really put a little bit more, more weight on the shoulders of Dennis Schroeder and Taylor Horton Tucker. And I mean, Marcus Saul potentially as well. Those are the, the three guys that might be able to get some stuff working. 
So yeah, the game we lost by eight. Uh, LeBron's a plus six. Crusoe is a plus eight. Everyone else in the starting lineup minus eight or worse. Uh, Dennis Shooter three for thirteen. It wasn't just him not shooting well. I thought he wasn't looking for as many shots. And credit to the Suns for probably, you know, keeping a lot more of a focus on him. And uh, but but the Lakers made threes at least you know in comparison to their other game. The, you know, this series, we did see Trez minutes. I understood them. I don't know if I agreed with them. Uh, Keith got eight minutes. He didn't look great, but there was a lineup uh, with with him. And what was that lineup at the end of the third that got beat by the Phoenix small ball lineup? So I'm just kind of wondering. There's like Marc Gasol, Keith, Kuz, Ben McLemore uh, and, and Caruso. So Caruso was in there, and then for a very short period of time, Wes Matthews was in there, and then for an even shorter period of time, Dennis Schroeder was in there. Uh, like Schroeder played 20 seconds at the end of the right. half. Wes came in for 38 seconds. So it was a weird lots of shuffling. Right. There were four lineups in the final like three minutes of, of the third quarter. So, But for some of that, Tim, they went to like a Tory Craig at the five look. And for mm-hmm. those, that makes more sense to me with Trez. And now Trez might still struggle to keep up with a guy like Torrey Craig, but at least he's not like a crazy movement shooter. Trez could be able to kind of beat him maybe on the boards and in the pick and roll. So I think maybe we need a uh, ready at the ready counter for if Phoenix tries to go small a little bit more because their Frank Kaminsky minutes were god awful and they Mm -hmm. have to rest DeAndre Ayton at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in an alternate approach, could be, you know, if you still have, if Gasol's out there, continue having him space out, or you can have him setting screens and then trying to seal inside and just either seal off for drives or like seal a guy, get a lob in and hit a layup. Um, if you do have Trez out there, you've you've got to leverage what he can bring. And when he did play in this game, I saw a lot of him like standing pretty deep in the dunker spot in a in a way where he was not, he had to take like four steps and then go through someone who's trying to box him out just to get on the offensive boards. He wasn't really already in position for a dump off or for a putback. And that I'd like to see him, you know, you've got to be a step quicker about recognizing when guys will shoot and then getting in position before like the, the ball's like at the rim. So he was a little bit slow there. Drummond was facing two guys on him when he was trying to rebound a lot of the game. So getting them in more prime position it, it could be important. And then if Phoenix does go to a smaller lineup. You can try to hunt some specific mismatches for Schroeder to drive, not against a slow-footed big because they don't have those in these lineups. But if you can pick a guard, you want to go to go attack Chris Paul or Devin Booker, attack someone down the sideline and finish at the rim over no rim protection. That that's you know when Phoenix goes small, they're going to switch a lot, but they're not going to have any rim protection. So either you can try to beat them up in the post, but the Lakers aren't countering post help. It's not, it's not a winning battle there. So you need to try to continue to penetrate and penetrate against good matchups and then have a guy like Trez ready to rotate over in time. So if the help does come, he's there to get putbacks. And if the help doesn't come, you know, he's he's occupying that defender. So I, I think that would be an approach. I was just looking at something. Dennis Schroeder in this game, he played 32 minutes. Three of those minutes he played with Marcus Saul. He scored five of his eight points. Over his other 29 minutes, he scored three points. Those were in non-Gasol minutes. That is, that stands out to me. It does stand out. 
Yeah, so we'll get to it, for sure, toward the second half of this pod when we talk more Game 4 adjustments, but... Oh, no, I'm sorry. He played He played in that lineup towards the end of the game with Gasol, which he wasn't really right. scoring much in, but... Right. I mean, he did score in, <clears throat> but that was primarily LeBron driving things. Yeah, and, and that lineup toward the end, it's no secret it kind of started the team going. It's defense and spacing, right? It's kind of the main tenets with LeBron as a playmaker, but there's other playmakers. You have three playmakers on the court, uh, mm-hmm. maybe two and a half. Schroeder hasn't been fantastic at that this series, but... Um, you know, if Bron could pull it back together with the turnovers, uh, I think he had six again today. Yeah, six turnovers yep. to six assists. Um, there, it's not just what Phoenix is doing. Some of it is just bad Bron passes. I thought he had a he had stretches where I was like, this is kind of a bad Bron performance. But he did shoot efficiently at least. Mm-hmm. There were um, some some of what he was going for. I like got the idea. But the spacing just wasn't good, or someone yeah. who he wasn't, he didn't see was able to get in and tip a ball away. Like, for example, in this game, that again, that group that got the 10 point lead where it was Caruso, Macklemore, Coos, Braun Drummond, we saw Braun Drummond pick and rolls, in, which hasn't been a successful action for the Lakers on the year so far. But in this lineup, there was some spacing around it, and they were setting them pretty deep. And it was against Kaminsky. <laughs> so it was LeBron attacking downhill. He can bum Kaminsky, finish at the rim, or he can, you know, take that one-footed fadeaway from basically al- almost at the rim. Um, and those were getting good looks. But then as soon as Aiton came in and they were trying those same things, he was just able to tip those balls away. We saw LeBron try, I think, three lobs. One worked, one didn't work, and then I think one got picked off or something. Um so that that was like, I get what you're going for. It kind of worked when there was spacing and, and Aiden wasn't out there. But if you replace Frank Kaminsky with DeAndre Aiden and try the same stuff, he's able to jump a little bit higher, has a little bit more length and, and knock some of that away. But I do think that grouping was one. And again, it was used in mostly Aitonless minutes, Bookerless minutes. So Macklemore out there, you're not really worried about his defense as much. I liked how LeBron James was used as a screener. I liked how Caruso, or I'm sorry, not Caruso, Kyle Kuzma was actually used as a driver and a ball handler yeah. at times. And this is a lineup you can go to in game five. All these guys are healthy. Uh, and again, once Aiden came in, it didn't quite work as well. But this is a group when we think about like, all right, and, and I've been vocal about this on Twitter. If I wanted to start like Schroeder, uh, who would I want? I don't know, KCP or Wes. And then you've got Braun at the four, Gasol at the five, and and then you know Caruso or Schroeder or KCP or one of you have three guards, Braun and, and Gasol out there. Caruso could be one of the guys on the bench. Macklemore is going to be on the bench. Kuz is going to be on the bench. Drummond's going to be on the bench. This is a bench lineup you can go to. Um, you know the Lakers probably aren't going to run you know first shift, second shift like hockey subs. So this is a like transition group that you can go to that did some stuff that worked was able to generate a 10-point lead for the Lakers and, I mean, I think can make some sense in that next game. And again, I think stuff like this, like anytime a major, somebody goes out in the middle of a game, here's the moments where I'm less confident about the exact adjustments Frank makes for like very deliberate, you know, reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And when he comes back in this, the next game he usually does have and the team overall looks like you know we know we have to be more aggressive ad is not out but in the middle of a game you know i know you say that around the huddle but you don't have the coaching of the the day before to set up guys for 
this is what they might do if they're yeah. like look for this you know what i mean just kind of set yeah. everybody up for the added uh added pressure i guess it it is so different heading if the lakers headed into this game and they knew they didn't have anthony davis the whole game and they were game planning like like the the game plan for next game is going to be different from the game plan for this game in the second half once a key key player goes out mid game and you have to adjust on the fly and he's someone that your offense is built around and your defense is built around that like that's such such a hard curveball to try to adjust to like I've seen it this we see this in basketball we see this in football I went to you know I'm a Notre Dame fan I watch them win their 10 11 12 games a year and then go watch them get their ass kicked in in a bowl game every year I watched and saw them play <laughs> Clemson a couple years ago there and and in the second quarter, Notre Dame's star All-American cornerback went out, who they had been leaving on an island, and they put some freshman in, didn't adjust the game plan, didn't have time to really adjust the game plan, and Clemson scored like 25 points in like five minutes. And then over the rest of the game, when that cornerback was in, it was like a 6 nothing game or something like that. So, you know, Notre Dame got blown out. But when they had, you know, their key players in, it was a tight game. But if you're not ready to adjust on the fly, that's where the game can get away from you. And that's where we saw the third quarter get away from the Lakers. And what was encouraging to me and looking at Frank Vogel's tendencies, what he's done this series is late uh, game one, crunch time. He starts using some stuff that carried over to the beginning of game two. Late game two, crunch time, he used stuff that carried over to the beginning of game three. Any game three wasn't really crunch time. We didn't see as much carryover, but those first two games, when it mattered, he went to tactics and he went to lineups that foreshadowed what he was going to do the next game. And in this game, the group that he went to was the LeBron at power forward, the at center minutes in the fourth quarter. And we saw, so I want to, I want to set the stage a little, we saw LeBron AD and Gasol play in the series. And we saw them in the second quarter come in, go minus three. The reason that group didn't, really get the benefit of Gasol was because Aiton, instead of having to guard Gasol, he could just guard Anthony Davis. And AD's either going to be around the rim. bridges on Gasol or something. Yeah, exactly. Because Gasol's not a guy that's going to beat you up in the post. So when you have a power forward that Aiton can go guard, that that makes it easy for, like that basically negates the spacing Gasol's trying to bring you. Because spacing is good. Like having guys on the perimeter is good. But what really matters with spacing is how it impacts the defenders. And if it's pulling a, a point guard out to the perimeter, like that doesn't really matter. If it's pulling their their only rim protector out to the perimeter, that matters. That's why Gasol is valuable, and we didn't get to see that when he was playing with Anthony Davis. In the second half, we saw a different whole – like this looked completely different because Braun was that power forward. Gasol was at center. Who do you put Aiden on? You can't put Aiden on LeBron James. So he was guarding Marcus Saul in time after time after time, and this was in five-out offense. Marcus saw was standing at the top of the key and every single play that the Lakers ran, they had 12 offensive possessions and 12 out of 12 times they were generating like elite quality shots where I was like, shit, like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm Phoenix in this situation. And I've spent the past 12 hours thinking about that. And they're, they're in a tough situation because if Aiton tries to protect the rim, this all's open. And if you try to bring the next perimeter defender over to help on Gasol, what the Lakers were doing was either cutting the man was, that was then open or they were having them set pin-in uh, pin flare screens. Uh, the one play where Gasol turned the ball over, Chris Paul jumped up and he tried to throw it through Chris Paul. There was a pin-in flare screen. And the reason Paul was on Gasol was because Aiton was trying to defend the rim. So those situations, like that was very high, great organization, would have had a wide open shot. Gasol didn't make the right decision. 
But the, from a process standpoint, that was fantastic. And then when when Aiton did try to defend Gasol, who again is at the top of the key, this isn't like a two step rotation to the rim. If he's at the free throw line or above, he's out of the picture defending the rim. And what the Lakers were doing with these lineups was attacking around the sidelines. They were driving the sidelines. It was a lot of LeBron going that way. And it's a tougher rotation for Aiton, and it makes it much, much easier to read for the Lakers. There were times where the Suns had a smaller player on LeBron. He just posted him up. If you try to front him with that five-out spacing, you can just go high-low. We saw Gasol make that post-entry pass with LeBron. Easy layup. Um, when he didn't have a smaller guy on him, but they wanted him to, they ran a back screen for him. Caruso sets a UCLA cut for LeBron to cut to the rim. If you don't, if, if you switch that, he's got that post up. If you don't switch that, Caruso then popped out. He got a catch-and-shoot wide-open three. Same, like this is what actually happened. This isn't me coming up with random things. Um, we saw times where Schroeder and Braun would run ball screens towards the sideline with Gasol popping, which again, the only way to defend the, the, the rim and defend Gasol is to send an extra help helper defender over. over. And the Lakers were countering that well. So it, it was just really high quality offense. We saw inverted uh, ball screens with LeBron and if the defense switches that, he can drive on that guard or post them up. If they didn't switch, it was they were showing and recovering, which is what you do. What, it's what every team does when you're a guard and you get put in a ball screen. You're not running drop coverage. You're not running a catch hedge. You're, you're showing hard, trying to stop the momentum, and then recovering. The Lakers countered that by having Caruso really seal off the guy that was trying to recover. So Caruso's man, he shows that LeBron for a second and then walks out of the way and gives Braun the red carpet to drive because he thought his other defender would be behind him to recover, but they weren't. So LeBron was able to get a, a great drive to the rim. So all of this stuff is LA showing that they're finding ways to get LeBron attacking the rim. They're using the skill sets they have available. They've got good spacing from an alignment and a shooting standpoint. They were countering what the defense was trying to do really well. And this whole time, Phoenix has that fundamental issue of either not having rim protection or giving up wide open threes to a guy who's nailing wide open threes or if you send that extra help, again, get the ball to Gasol. He's capable of making those reads and hitting guys cutting or hitting guys on those pin and flare screens. So it was dominant offensively. They scored one and a half points per possession. And even then they were missing some open shots. And then defensively, this group held Phoenix to 0.8 points per possession on the other end of the court on half court plays. And then there was that one transition play where the, the Suns got a three because Schroeder missed the layup. He and LeBron didn't bother to get back. This was after the game where they said they knew the game was over. They gave up a three on that play. But other than that, this was a dominant defensive group as well. Gasol had a couple blocks, a few deflections, and it was a lot of funneling people into Gasol and him just walling up, using verticality and just swallowing dudes uh, trying to drive. So I think this is something the Lakers should look to do next game. Now, I would start with it. And then I think I would look at that other group we talked about as a bench unit you can go to. If Drummond doesn't start, this would only be the second game since his rookie year. He has not started a game that he would have played in, which is crazy to me. Um, but I would look at doing it because I think what you need to do in this game, if the Lakers are to win and LeBron and AD is not going to play, is you need LeBron to play like like Miami Heat LeBron. And you need spacing. You need him driving. And this is the way to do that. And we've seen it work. We've seen the Suns not be able to stop it over a six-minute stretch at the end of that last game. If you go into the next game and they figure it out and you can't adjust, you know, go a different route. But if you start with it, throw your best punch immediately and they can't adjust to it, just keep doing that and just pound the Suns into the ground. That's my game plan, Tom. 
Give me, give me the best version of LeBron. It gives me the best version of Schroeder, too. It gets Schroeder attacking, driving downhill. Postseason, regular season, both these guys get to the rim more when they play with Gasol. If you love listening to us here on the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me and Tim talk about the Lakers, make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. I, I, I really hope that happens, but I, I doubt that would happen. Um, now, but to be, to be clear, uh, for the series, I think both of I have been fine with Drummond starting. We've been okay with that. He's been okay. Uh, it's better in some shifts than others. We haven't been closing with him, which is what matters the most. Uh, so it's kind of, to me, more about that closing, and there's no AD at the five anymore. So you'll probably get 
Morgasol, you're still going to get Drummond. You might even get a little Montrez Harrell now, too. So mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, what you can play ideally because Marcus is not going to play 30 minutes. He has Maybe played get 30 him minutes. Up to 25. I mean, he's played 30 he, minutes. He played 20 gonna, minutes against the Pels two weeks ago. He, but. But Tim, he's not going to be Marc Gasol for 30 minutes. And if he do- he is playing 30 minutes, he's going to put the team into foul trouble because well, Devin Booker will now be attacking him. And there are, there are a lot of butterfly effects with playing Mark. A lot of them are good. Not It's not all good. There are mm-hmm. other things to consider that Phoenix can do because they have agency in this. So when they put him in ball, you know, screen situations high at the top with Devin Booker, it's going to be hard for the Lakers to to defend the rim without their their, you know, all star level uh, free safety. I think Gasol showed us this past game why he's still an effective defender, why he's still a top three center impact guy in the league, according to D. LeBron. He especially him versus drumming. Looking at this one game, you saw how Mark's IQ and he's a little bit slower footed than Drummond, but that IQ knowing where to be, he was in the right positions. And this whole series, he's been doing a pretty good job when we've seen him exposed and, and people like me watching live, us watching live, people watching live. It, there were times where it was like, oh man, like Mark got beat around the corner. And it was because the Suns were running for like 90% of those times, it was they were running some specific set play that either screened him or took away that backline help he thought he was having. Once the Lakers shut those plays down, we haven't really seen that be an issue. And he, he's been holding the Suns. He's been holding Booker to like 0.8 points per possession in ball screens when they're not running a concept. So like that's something I feel good about. I think he has gotten more flack than he should have. And like Drummond's been in the same sorts of situations where, especially against campaign, when campaign's out there, they're running plays. And in game two, the Lakers didn't stop the plays and it made everybody look bad. And it made like campaign look invincible. Once the Lakers switched some of the Spain action, and we're doing some different things to defend those sets. Campaign hasn't looked like an issue, um, other than you know hitting some some of those shots in the third quarter when we thought the game was out of hand. So I I would push back. I do agree with you that like it's not they're not the same defenders, but we just saw Andre Drummond probably play his worst defensive game this series and look out of position and like he's physically he should be able to do everything Gasol's doing. The difference in their impact and the difference in their rim protection, which for the past few years, including this year, has not been the same level, is the IQ side of it and the technique side of it and just being in the right position at the right time, going straight up. And I don't know. I I think the results speak for themselves. Looking at the film, I feel much more confident about those Gasol minutes than I did watching live. Still, I guess you're just still just breezing past my points where they need 23 other minutes at the center position. Of good minutes. I think he can give you 28 center minutes when offensively his job is stand at the top of the key and pass or hit an open three. We're not asking him to be on the offensive boards. I'm not asking him to screen left and right. If he can pick and pop, if he can spot up, if he can, you know, run a dribble handoff, I, I feel good about it. I, I think he can do that. Like, he's played 27, 28 minutes in the month of May as recently as two weeks ago. So I... I would push that limit. If he can't get there, you adjust. And you have Drummond, you have Trez, but I think you have to start trying. I need. You, I think you need to go out of the gate in quarter one trying to do that and planning for that. Because I would hate to have him only play 20 minutes and the team lose by four and Gasol's minutes be like plus 15 or something like that. Like, Yeah. I think you just need to start and then check and adjust if you need to, but that needs to be the starting game plan because that's helping LeBron be at his best. 
And in those situations, you don't need Gasol to be a high usage guy or doing a ton. Um, but I know, I, know, I, I, know, I agree with you. Playoff minutes are different. It's going to be a strain. So you have other players that you can play. You have other centers to go to. I, th- I just think that has to be what you're attempting to do. So here's the thing, right? It's how do you cut up the 40 minutes from Aiton? Because he's going to get 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do with the non-Gasol on Aiton? You know, so you're probably still Andre Drummond. Whether you know, again, mm-hmm. we would say start him. He's probably still going to start. Now the other thing is, what do you do? What does Phoenix do with the rest of their center minutes? Do they go small a little bit like they did? Uh, because I think it was the Kaminsky lineup in the second quarter where the Lakers pushed that uh, run up to like 11. So. There's two factors here, not only, you know, who's the best answer to guard Aiton in in those actions and um, and then what do you do at the small ball five? I still wouldn't honestly hate if you're throwing Tory Craig, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, LeBron at the five uh, with Schroeder, THT, you know, Caruso Mm -hmm. and Kuzma, I think could be a lineup that could work. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think so. In the last game, we only saw 90, 97 seconds of that super small ball Phoenix. But given how well it worked and given what the Lakers center rotation looks like, I wouldn't be surprised if they try more of it. It's objectively I, better than Kaminsky. So it, if you're Monty Williams, yeah, you probably yeah. want to go to that. Yeah, and potentially. Sarge. So and how I would also think about this is like wh- who, who, which guards are on the court for Phoenix in those early second quarter minutes where uh, Kaminsky was in the game and the Lakers went on that run. There was no Booker and there was no Aiden. Those that's when those two guys sit the beginning of the second quarter, and then Booker sits end of third, beginning of the fourth quarter. Aiden also sits like basically the second half of the third quarter, the the last third of the third quarter, something like that. So if you can put Andre Drummond in there during those no non Aiden, non Booker minutes, if anything's wrong with Chris Paul, I'm going under it. Any ball screens, any ball screens run with campaign, I'm going to go under those. And I'm going to keep dropping with my big and I'm not going to give up anything in those realms. And, and I think going under in those situations when Booker's not out there puts Phoenix in a tough spot because if they're not able to attack you downhill or they're not able to have kick out threes to roll players who are just ready to catch and shoot, this offense has not looked the same. So I'd look at doing that. I think Drummond on Kaminsky or Sharich, if he plays, which he hasn't played in a couple games, those minutes are good for the Lakers. If they go smaller, you can look at Braun at the five, but they're just realistically maybe a situation where Braun is needs to be sitting during some of this. And in those instances, I think Trez at the five can make some sense. And then Drummond can can be fine. It just depends on like how you're gonna treat ball screen situations. And I mean, keep running drop coverage. I'm okay with Tory Craig picking and popping. That's fine with me. Kaminsky picking and popping, I'm good with that. Charge picking and popping, I'm okay with that. So I think the Suns going small doesn't necessarily take the Lakers out of how they have been operating defensively or would put me in a situation where I feel I need to like, you know, get Braun off the bench. He was trying, it was supposed to be his rest time, but we need him in here to, to counter that. Though I do think it, it could be better minutes. Um, I don't think it's, it's preferred for the Lakers, but I do think it's an option. Uh, I think you might see some more Keefe here as well because, mm-hmm. you know, anytime AD misses time, you see a lot more Keefe. Yeah. Uh, Keefe wasn't great, I felt like, in his eight minutes. He uh, had three points, uh, one rebound, three for four from the free throw line. 
Um, not much to say there for me. I don't know, man. I thought so. Just just getting to other topics of this game, I thought this was a uh, awfully refereed game, but like for both sides. Uh, I was telling you before, like I honestly felt like ninety five percent of the calls were just wrong, and it really didn't matter which t- which way it went. Uh, a lot of times for me watching the game. It was sloppy, but then again, like I said before, ban afternoon games. This isn't the Lakers MO. They're not good in these games. Mm-hmm. So, and missing Anthony Davis, it was a world, you know, uh, just the world dervish of shit, you know, coming into that second half, uh, not feeling too great. And the Lakers, you know, di- didn't match the intensity of the Suns. Uh, so, but again, the Suns have played almost exact same game like four straight times to me. And this reminded me of game one in some ways. You know, there are different variables, but but again, look at their point total for every game. It's like 99, 92, 93, 100, 102, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm just, I'm still confident that the Suns aren't just playing their their explosive game and i don't think it's just chris paul either by the way uh although he did he scored 18 the other day and they still only scored 100 you know jay crowder finally made some threes still only scored 100 so they just don't have a ton of scoring on this team and the lakers defense has been good at taking away a lot of those role player threes they did give up a little bit more corner frequency in this one, which you'd like to see them clamp down a little bit more again. But ultimately, too, for the Lakers, big adjustment is don't turn the ball over. They had like a 16.7 turnover percentage, 16.8. Just turning the ball over too many times. So a lot of this was self-inflicted plus Anthony Davis. But I could see uh, a lot of different pathways for the Lakers to look real competitive. And I think it would be like a, a shrewder like THT kind of game. Hopefully Kuzma can get up and score like 15 because he has looked good uh, distributing the ball lately, but going to have to find a scoring options from other places. And like you said, you know, if Braun can get you 30, 35 to, you know, if game five has got to be that game, give AD some, some, some rest to maybe come back in the series. Yep. Yeah. You need LeBron to give you a just vintage LeBron game. Or I, 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 saying vintage makes it seem like he's like washed, but uh, you need prime LeBron. You need Miami LeBron, like paging, paging Miami Heat LeBron. We need you to just like go off, get to the rim all day long, get the Suns in foul trouble, draw more fouls, and Schroeder to to be doing similar things. Get to the rim, score. Tht if he's out there, if he can give you like eight points in in like a five minute stint or something like that, that's something that you can use to keep the offense alive. Uh, role players need to continue. Well, <laughs> role players need to start hitting threes. We've seen a couple of them knocking some shots down. Gasol and Wes have been two of the guys that have been knocking them down. But Kuzma, Caruso, KCP, if he gets back, like these, these are important players that need to hit open shots. Because looking at, like, if I were to just screenshot every open shot the Lakers have missed and ask you how many of those would have gone in, like we would be overestimating by a lot. They've been like wide, wide open shots. Uh, so I, I do think that is continues to be a big piece of this game. And if the Lakers can shoot 36% instead of 32% next game, that that could be huge. That could be an extra 10 points. And that would have swung like every game this series just about. Um, no, it would have swung every game this series. Yeah. Well, no, except for game three, the Lakers swung by more. But 
I think that's important. We did see for the first time this series, Aiton's uh, shot attempts go down. He had 11, 13, 15, and then this game he only had eight shots. And again, they're, they're going to be easy shots. They're going to be rolls or dump-offs or putbacks. But he is a like he is a sign. He is a symptom of how well the Lakers are defending Phoenix's offense. And him being limited in that way shows us that they're they're taking away some of those easier looks. Like you said, though, the corner three is one up. So it's if if both of, if neither of those are if if it's one or the other between those, that's not really a win to me. When both of those go down, that's when you can tell that the Lakers are are really doing a good job. And I think that looks like going under Chris Paul ball screens. I think for Devin Booker ball screens, you want to continue trying to counter those sets that they're running. And I would consider trapping him every now and then, like not consistently, not predictably, but either showing and recovering hard or just outright trapping occasionally. So instead of the Suns solving for one variable right now, which is how they're doing, they're looking at like the off ball defense because they know that big man's dropping every time. I need you to make them solve for two variables. Am I being trapped or not? Because that tangibly changes how I approach this. And then if I'm not, you know, then what is the the off you know the off ball defense doing? It's a much harder to read those other four defenders or those other three defenders away from the ball if you're scared about that dude getting in your face or not. So I think you can try to rattle Booker a little bit with traps. This has been, according to the second spectrum data, the most effective way to defend him. We talked about a pre series get Aiden some of those short rolls. That is a bullet that the Lakers have not gone to yet. That I think could make sense to use. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd do it against Chris Paul. If going under screens just negates them outright, if if they solve that, then you can look at trapping him. But for now, I'd say go under Chris Ball screens, mix in some trapping with Booker along with the drops, and you probably are able to just tighten the grip on the Phoenix offense just a tad more. And I think the Lakers are going to need another really strong defensive performance if they want to win this next game, especially with AD out. You need to stop the actions before it turns into a scramble drill. Because him missing, yeah. that that is where him missing really hurts you. Yeah, after watching some of the tape again, I felt better than I thought I would at least, which is worth something. Um, I think a lot went wrong for the Lakers. They weren't quite ready for that intensity after AD went down. But uh, I'm feeling okay, Tim. I'm feeling not awful, not amazing. But I do think these are the kind of games and situations where that championship level experience, the veteran experience at least, can kind of tip in the Lakers' favor. And um, again, Jay Crowder is a dirty motherfucker. Chris Paul is dirty as shit. Did you see those plays I tweeted out? Yes, I did. Oh and God. I saw Mike Vio retweet all of them saying Caruso did something just as bad on all of them. I'm getting very annoyed at uh all of the but what about <laughs> but what about yeah like dude you can't like look at these guys and say that hmm maybe a push in midair and like repeated like chris paul just like tripping kyle kuzma like what are we doing here yeah i don't know i'm just sick of it we talked about it last like get out of the series so i just like if you if you think alex caruso's a dirty player okay if you think Jay Crowder is not a dirty player, sure. <laughs> Fandom is an incredible thing, Tim, is all uh, I'll say. It is It is remarkable how last game when Jay Crowder would shoot his threes, 
his feet would kind of his left. So his right foot would go in a normal shooting motion. His left foot would go out in this weird leftward angle, which just happened to be where the defender was like way out to the left. Like, like your right foot is at, uh, I don't know, like one o'clock on a clock and his left foot was at like nine o'clock <laughs> and he drew a three point shooting foul. This game, it was the opposite where his left foot was fine and his right foot went out in a really bizarre direction. Um, so I've never seen a shooting form like that. But that was really interesting. Credits to him for for tricking the refs there. Uh, the one play, like I don't even, I don't get how it wasn't called. The ref was looking right at it. Kuzma gets the ball in the corner. He takes his three. Uh, Crowder puts his hand up to contest it. After the shot is released, after Crowder's, you know, he's standing still with his arm up, and then he f- kind of like puts his his arm out outright. He like flex, you know, he flexes his his elbow and just smacks Kuzma right in the face. A clear second motion. It wasn't a momentum yep. thing. It wasn't an accident. It was after the play, and the ref was looking right at it and didn't call it. So, like you said, the refereeing was was not good in this game on, in both directions. On aggregate, it seemed like it hurt the Lakers more, but I'm sure the Suns fans will tell you the opposite. But there were just a lot of like late calls. There were calls yeah, from calls like too. the ref who yeah. was like way out of the play, where the other two that were closer to it didn't call anything. So those sorts of things are like signs that like these guys aren't. They're, they're not calling a good game. They're having to like have their second backup pick him up or that guy is being, you know, influenced because he's standing right next to the coach into calling something that the two guys closer to the play didn't call. So stuff like that is that's nuts. And we saw two games in a row here where Schroeder, I'm sorry, not Schroeder, Crowder had a Laker player like in his grasp and like pushed them to the ground. So, you know, dirty, dirty plays. But like you said, we got to get out of the series as soon as possible. Hopefully that means six games. Yeah, hopefully my Lakers and six is still alive. Uh, no, Anthony Davis has got to get in, get healthy. But uh, I could feel worse today. Let's just say that Lakers fans watching the game again. So until then, we'll be coming to you uh, after game five in some way, shape or form. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 